decision. Yeah. I want to win championships. I want to win bowl games. And what else is better for to do than your city? The power of home represents something. The DMV, like you try to explain it to people that aren't from there, and it's hard to explain it. That thing we talk about, Maryland Pride, it's real. And today, we're going to play with Maryland Pride. He's going to go! Touchdown, Maryland! The Terrapins have one last shot at winning this game. Three seconds, two seconds, one second, throws it up. Money! And he got it! And the Terrapins win at the buzzer! Oh, Stevie Francis, showtime. Oh, man. What a play by Bias. Holy cow. Maryland hits the road to beat Penn State. Maryland pulls off the upset. They have defeated number one, and the celebration is on. And the kids have done it. Maryland wins their first ever national championship. Holding up Indiana, 64 to 52, and let's listen and look at the celebration. Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And others host college sports and recruiting podcasts. You're listening to IMS Radio at InsideMarylandSports.com. Your hosts, Jeff Ehrman, Paul Douglas, and Larry France. Guys, how you doing? What's up, boys? I'm good, man. Skip a, a couple time weeks of here. the year. Yeah, but it's it's worthwhile, man. Football started. It was like just chilly enough the other day. I got to open the windows a little bit. Like it's it's a good time of the year, man. Terps are two and zero. Maybe not the best possible start, but we'll take what we can get. And, um, you know, so we'll talk about that plenty today. Yeah, solid start. Solid yet unspectacular start, but did what they got to do. 2-0. The rest of the season's pretty fun. Just beginning of the season is so fun. Seeing the upsets, seeing who gets eliminated, knocked out of contention. Right off the bat, Notre Dame. For example, right? Texas See what A&M. moron decides to play Appalachian State early on in the <laughs> yeah, season. Those guys, man. Sun belt. Sun belt, sun belt uh, yes. Fire, man. Dude, sun the belt. fun belt, man. Appalachian State over Texas Tech or Texas AM. Yep. And uh ODU over Virginia. And what was the other one? There's one more too. Virginia Tech. Tech. Um yeah, there was yeah, one there's last there's week one also. South Alabama, maybe, or something like that. I don't remember. I don't know. There's too. There there's too many. There's literally too many fun belt upsets for us to remember at this time. Yeah, but like, but like, I mean, the fun, fun, the fun belt. belt. The fun belt's the new Mac, man. Like, it's it's just you know taking no prisoners. Put the champ in the playoff. Put the sun belt yeah. champ in the playoff. And yeah, well, I mean, it will be soon, right? It certainly won't be boring if nothing else, right? That's bothering I mean, me. Okay. What's bothering you? Talk amongst yourselves that I can't remember who the other sun belt upset was. Oh, you're gonna Google it. Okay. No, I'm all right with That's that. We, we we aim to uh Jeff, aim to be factually correct here. Doesn't your coaching season start soon also? Uh basketball comes up soon. My son is boxing now. What? Yeah, he's, <laughs> boxing. he's boxing. Yeah, I don't know wow. if he'll do any actual fights or anything, but it's I mean, in terms of like 
confidence and i mean he is ripped if i look tired it's just because he just kicked my ass at basketball but <laughs> nothing gets you in better shape than boxing it's crazy how yeah. old is he now jeff is he what like what's he like 11 time flies homie he's a freshman jesus christ yeah high school freshman so um, 14 yeah so he skipped wow. football this year he, he didn't want to play this year which is fine you can't i'm not going to force anybody to go get their head knocked in every day yeah um, then we got basketball coming up and so yeah good times i don't know what's going to happen once he's out of the house i'm going to be the saddest man on earth when i don't have those listen I mean, i'm dealing with it right now <laughs> it is not a fun experience i am getting better but it's it's rough yeah it's rough. Yeah, you see all, see all those instruments back there. That's what Larry's been doing with his free time recently. <laughs> That's all I do. I sit there. I told you guys I'm writing a musical. And uh, the score for the show is 560 pages long. That's crazy. That's it, wild, man. It is. For, you want to hear You want to hear a snippet? Should I do that on this show? Sure. You want to uh, hear Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. Absolutely. Hang on. All right. You hang on. this whole we're, show. We're going to do this? Okay. Hang on. I got to. Uh, we're just Southern beat Nebraska. There you Georgia, go, Georgia yeah, Southern. That's Georgia right. Georgia Southern. They ended the Scott Frost era. R.I.P. Okay. Scott Frost. This is just one of the songs. I'm going to start in the middle here because it gets really cool later in here. And uh... Oh, there you go. This is a song called Enemy. So up here are the vocals up top. This is drums and across this line. This is piano, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, bass here, and the bottom four are strings. They'll be coming in in a minute. That's really cool, Larry. So this part coming up is really cool. I'll only give you 30 more seconds. Yeah, this part, really cool with the strings. Here we go. There you go there's a little snippet Dude, of the show incredible. that's thank really you. fucking good larry like thank you that was like Mozart or something i would have believed it seriously <laughs> 560 pages that that's did one. you so, so did you did you do all the um the extra work on the synthesizer like the strings and the and that the bass, score i plunked in note by note by note using the cursor just using the mouse and clicking the notes one by one by one wow yep took me four months to do the score but the show i've been writing since 2017 well i mean how did you record it like uh that's a whole separate process like i don't do want to i want to no, I, mean, I mean do you do you have like musicians working with you like i know you yeah. probably recorded a lot yeah. of guitar and yeah. stuff like that but so you guys know alex who has helped us support the show for a lot of years technically he and i are writing partners for the last 30 years we met in college we've been in bands together since then and so we're doing it together and we're writing is one thing, 
tracking it is a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing I could share. I'm trying not to, uh, that was spontaneous, but um, yeah, no, no, I need, everybody's I need, here from Maryland. I'm trying not to like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a music nerd. So I'm like, I'm like, so did you do it on yeah. reels or did you, you know, like, you know, we made you can connect offline and we'll do all the music nerd stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could show you the recording software, which is equally as impressive as that because it's I'm sure. 75 tracks per song with crazy, wave files all over the place and everything anyway sorry everybody thank you really nice job uh tenacious terp uh crazy so really, really and really. chase brazon thank you uh i'm trying i'm sorry this is a maryland show and we got distracted yeah. we've i know come a long way we've come a long way from me, me making like dank mixtapes on a four track in a yeah. basement in like 1997 so yeah yeah so anyway that's yes that is what i do you see all the recording equipment back here yeah See, if you if you just send your kid off to college, you have time to put, you know, 570 pages of uh, yeah. you know, musical writing and musical language on uh, on paper. So, well, the, the studio here that we do for the show, I just also use for. Yeah, yeah it's very easy to kind of just switch a couple. Same things. process. Just the apps, whatever apps yeah. I'm using at the time. It's the interface is really. We have a great guest today who does not care about my musical. Spencer, he might. He might. He might. We very rarely have current players on the show. I can't think of too many times. We had Eric Ayala last year for the season opening kickoff. Not many other times ever. Have we? Current uh, players. It can be elusive when they're in season. It can be hard. We've, we've had others. We've like had it. a few, but I mean, usually, like I was telling Larry, like every time they get like an SID, you know, and Jeff works them up, uh, butters them up enough, they move on to a different job. So it's <laughs> it'd be a little hard to hard to work with the, uh, Shout the out to Dustin, program Dustin, guys. The football SID hooks it up. He's he's really good. So uh, right. Yeah, so, usually we go for recruits and you know that sort of thing. Ex players and coaches and media personalities and right. So the the guest today, Spencer Anderson. How much bigger can he get than six five, three hundred twenty pounds? Offensive lineman. I hope you ask. He was what was he honorable mention All Big Ten last year? Offensive lineman, I think. Oh yeah. And as a shot to be on one of the teams this year uh, is off to a pretty good start as decent PFF numbers. He is Spence underscore on Twitter, but it's S P E N T S Spence underscore. So if you want to catch him on Twitter, we'll talk about him about that later. We're asking about the season playing for coach locks, all that stuff. Did they move him inside this year for the most time? I, they've been rotating so much. It's been kind of hard to right guard, right guard. Yeah. Cause they got DJ glaze out there on right tackle. And then um, not Harris, but uh, who's the other guy on uh, starting at center. Yeah. Branch. Yeah. It's, it's, the- it, it's very odd that you have like six or seven or eight offensive linemen that you can plug and play in a bunch of different positions, but it's kind of a, Kind of a rare thing that Maryland's got on the offensive line this year. So I was looking at all of the PFF ratings. Do you guys, should I show that? Would that be okay to show? I don't see why not. Okay. Let me just, I'm going to set it up. So I just have Maryland and not the entire country. I'm going to show you the offensive line stats. Um, They're probably quite good at this point. I don't think, uh, 
I don't think Leah's got a got a lot of grass stains on the uniform quite yet. No, so, he's only been sacked once or twice. Here's yeah. Spencer Anderson in pass blocking, 87. Very good. Not obviously the closer you get to 100, the better. Pass blocking for the team looks really good. How about run blocking? Not so good. And Spencer Anderson down here. I'm sure that's something that they're working on. This is the overall offensive rating for the Lions. Spencer Anderson coming in fourth here. Look, not necessarily all the players you'd think at the top. So my, do number five. my dog is howling in the background. I apologize <laughs> for that. He doesn't like those PFF numbers. <laughs> he does yeah. uh, I think he's hungry, but he's got a full bowl of food over there. So he wants, <laughs> he wants people food. Sorry. So, yeah, look at Jahari Branch because – you hear so many accolades about him, and here he is down here. Well, he's he's had he's had issues with snaps. That's been the thing, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those high snaps are getting him at a bit of a late start, getting out of his stance. Um, like that's kind of like a like a timing technique thing. Um, maybe that'll work itself out a bit over time, but um, that's a concern. That's a concern to me more than when say those those run blocking numbers are right now. A freshman, Colton Deary, who they think is going to be uh, one of those stalwart kind of guys who's a starter for like three years if if it remains an issue i could see them giving him some run they really think he's going to be a stud what Jalen Jalen duncan being where was he fifth overall yeah on the line so he's last out of their starting lineman i mean he's projected supposedly to be the number one tackle in the draft well that's not even all the starting linemen because maximus mccree's not a starter oh yeah okay Fifth, even fifth overall. Either way, that's my he's, he's, he's fourth, fourth on the on the starters over Branch. Branch is down there. Two, yeah, three penalties so far in two games. Yeah, he's. Well, do you want to see more ratings from PFF? Are you guys interested in this? So the people listening want to see them, right? Okay, let me go to <laughs> listen to you me, talk about time vision with the numbers. Might I'll be. go to that's passing. Right. But I have to – oh, it is just going to stay at Maryland. Okay, so Talia overall 90.4, obviously very good. Bailey Edwards 69.5. Uh, I guess fumbling is about as bad as you can get. That's that's quarterback play. Let's look at receiving here for Maryland. This should be interesting. So many players. That would be Jay Sean Jones. Wow, look at this. Antoine Littleton is number one because he got yeah, one. That's why, you know, there's, there's some glitches in their uh, algorithm. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like like every statistical thing, like two games is not going to be enough to really. Right. But look really at all these different much. guys with really good ratings. Once you the, start the, getting a 70 above, that's pretty good. The Antoine Littleton uh, Heisman parade is uh, is something I'm willing to hop on, though. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of that guy. He Looks just, look. Down here he just does 12. big plays. Kim Jarrett is their number 10 receiver, and number 12 is Demas. Right there, yep. you know, there's some flaws. Yeah. I mean, Jarrett has dropped a couple balls, but. Uh, yeah, and so is Demas, he's, right? He's done some other things, too. So Yeah, so maybe it maybe it's not a flaw. Maybe yeah, I just... mean, well, I'm not going to get into the weeds with this, but you got Leon Houghton, who has one catch ranked ahead of them. Right, so like normally. The thing needs to be needs to be fixed. If you look at MLB stats, they'll usually have a toggle where you can say qualified players. Yeah. So exactly. you it'd be nice to do that where you say at least a minimum of like seven or eight targets or five targets or something like that over the course yeah. of two games. So you would have you know more solid statistics. Here's the running backs. 
Littleton again. Little all American Antoine Littleton. You know what was weird? He he busted off that Littleton busted off that fifty yard touchdown run the other day and didn't have another carry. He had one carry for the whole game. I don't know if he was Yeah, yeah, they've been doing some weird stuff with um mixing in the running backs too. You know, you expected like even if McDonald, say, didn't get the starting job, he would he would still get some time. He's had maybe two drives this entire season, I think. Um, defense. I, th- I think Hemby might, ha- or not Hemby, but uh, Ramon Brown might have more carries than than Colby McDonald does, given how good he looked last yeah. year. So it, it's it, it's interesting what they're doing, and and it's kind of hard to tell these first few games, you know, whether they're really just kind of running guys out there to get experience and, you know, kind of get a feel for stuff, certain oh, yeah, matchups, things sure. like that. Just on defense. Uh, there were, quite honestly, there were a couple of guys in the game at the end the other day who I didn't, who I'd never even heard of. There, uh, oh yeah. They were, they were full on like twos and threes at the end of that, at the yeah, last yeah, game. They were, which is, you know, that's the time to do it, obviously in a blowout against Charlotte. So it'll be interesting against SMU to see if this defense is, better than it looks and they've just been vanilla and really rotating in a lot of backups. You know, I think that's what you hope for if you're a Maryland fan is that some of it is that not that they've been getting torched, but uh, there's been no pressure, very little pressure on the quarterback and those corners have struggled at times. Yeah. I think that's completely true. I think if you look at the first two games so far, the things that stick out to me on a, on a macro scale the first game I had I had posted about uh, on the inside uh, MarylandSports.com message boards about how that game felt very Ralphian to me. Like when Ralph would play those first games, you'd end up winning the game like 34-17 or 34-21, but nothing really – it never felt like a real blowout. Yeah, Like things just – you know, every, everything just felt like it was a step off or two, especially offensively. Uh, the second game, the offense really got it together, but the defense – kind of looked like the first game like there wasn't a whole lot of pressure there was more pressure i will say on the rewatch than i that i thought during the game even though they didn't sack that kid much they did make him do a lot of work outside of the pocket so i don't know but i mean we we might have to confront the idea that the defense might be a little bit ass and it shouldn't be um but you know the thing that sticks out to me is looking at the the number of guys and talent that you have on the defensive line and the secondary, but the linebackers are a total question mark. And if you have linebacker play, that's not working right, that could disconnect the whole defense. So that, that would be the one thing that concerns me a little bit, but it's really hard for me to, to feel like I have a, a, a great opinion on, on either side of the ball right now, after those two games against those two teams, ask me again, Come midnight on Saturday, you might have a different story. Well, they lost four really highly rated players, most yeah. of which were going to be in the rotation or starters, right? All four of them. So, yeah, and what two of those are linebackers, right? So, you know, you're 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 right. I mean, you're starting Barham right off the top, and Barham's you know he looks great, but he's still a true freshman. So you know right. that there's going to be some physical limitations, some kind of football IQ limitations. We've seen a little bit of that. But nothing egregious, right? Um, you know, and then you're running guys like Gote, who was, uh, you know, out all last season out there. McCullough, who struggled, uh, even despite being an experienced guy. Uh, Spragans, I actually haven't seen, got a lot of run at all. So I don't know what's going on there. Caleb Wheatland's another true freshman who's been in the middle. 
the Cowan, Cowan kid from West Virginia who has, you know, he's got the blue chip recruit label and he's got the athleticism. Everybody says he's an athletic monster, but you know, if, if it hasn't shown at Alabama or West Virginia, you know, he's going to have to beat the odds for it to show here and it might, but through two games, I really have, I don't really recall seeing a linebacker make a big, any sort of big dynamic play. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think they play him at the jack, so he's he's down on the line most of the time. But like, you're not seeing much from Nachami or any of these other uh, defensive end types either, or China Rose. Uh, you know, it's not great. I, I think Nasila Kite and the guys in the middle have done a pretty good job. Um, good. But but he's they've got a. I think the run defense will be solid. Yes, uh, he's. I mean, he he looks like an NFL player to me. And then the Chibuzi kid, the transfer from Liberty, looked pretty yep. good in the first game. And a King, a King Basode has played pretty well, too, I think. Uh, despite despite his PFF rating, a King, a King Basote, the worst-rated PFF player on the defense. If you well, I don't, I, I don't know what to make of that, but I've, I've got eyeballs, too, and he's made some good plays. I think he's had a couple penalties against him, which might be the issue. I'm, I am going to go let my dog outside. So <laughs> you guys talk about your expectations for SMU, and I'll be back in 15 seconds. Fair enough. Paul, do they yeah. win or no? Huh? Win or no? I think they win until somebody shows me they can stop the offense. I, I think – I think the offense is going to be at a level we're not used to this year. The one question mark that I really had with it was whether the running game would be good enough. And boy, Hemby looks good. And boy, Littleton looks good. And we've seen, we have evidence of Colby McDonald being good. And Ramon Brown is a four-star stud true freshman. So I, I feel, I feel like the running game is going to be there. Um, you know, and they didn't click great. I think as a as a unit the first game, but seeing what they did against Charlotte, just well knowing that Charlotte's defense is garbage. Yeah. Um I just I, I don't know. I feel like SMU is gonna come here and it's gonna be a shootout, and I like our chances in a shootout against just yeah, about what's anybody. The total in this game has got to be at least 70, right? It's like it hit like 73 or something, something insane. Like I it, might seen. Over that. it might be over that by the third quarter. Yeah, I mean it, it very well could be, and it I, I think the defense has something to prove this week. You know, if you can you can keep SMU to 21-24, you call out a win, and that's a that's a that's a that's a way you're gonna win that game, I think. Um I know I wouldn't expect that you're gonna you're gonna see a 21-10 kind of score out of this one. How about some turnovers from defense to help to win the game? They haven't that's gotten cool. one yet. It'd be nice to just get one. Cupcakes, you haven't gotten one. Yeah. What was that? That was last year when they had. Uh, was it last? Year? I'm losing. It was two years ago when games they had the real trouble turning like the ball six over. Six games in a row. Six games in a row with no turnovers. Yeah. Had more. Some more last year. They were still 13th, I think, in the Big Ten in interceptions. Uh, and they've had opportunities. They, they keep dropping them. Expected. What's he on PFF? What, what does PFF say about Deontay Banks? Because he all, all offseason, I heard he was their best corner. And you can see it. Some dudes just look different when they're running around just by the body type and the way they kind of glide. And he's got that factor. But through two games, uh, I think he's he's struggled a little bit. He's he's the 19th rated player on the Maryland defense, 63.5 rating. Rough. Yeah, and, and Bennett, to me, has just been dogged by some of these guys. And, and that concerns me a little bit because um, he's another one, you know, you – 
he's a guy that's expected to be an NFL draft pick, and he's been getting burned. He's got a couple really bad pass interference penalties. It's not great. Tarheep still looks like he's going to be out a couple weeks. And then you're looking at true freshmen, basically, um, in terms of uh, backup cornerbacks, and you're going to be pace, facing four or five wideouts all day um, against SMU. So that, that'll be – That'll be interesting to see whether those guys can really step up because like those young safeties, though, Trader and Braid, yes, are going to be really good for a long time. Dude, Bo Braid just wrecks dudes. He's a missile. And if he's not wrecking dudes on the other team, he's wrecking dudes on our team. Like if you get in that, if you get like I forget who it was, but somebody like tried to wrap a guy up, and Bo Bray just came through and took him out along with the ball carrier. And I'm like, oh, Trader, he came in head first and Trader. That's right. Yep. I thought Trader was going to be. I, I was thinking immediately like concussion or down on the field. I don't know how he took that one because it, it was a uh, it was a violent collision. Friendly yeah, it was like they were going to call targeting against our own guy. Like yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just I. But Braves, Braves, fantastic. But, you know, maybe correlating with the turnover situation, both those guys are really good at run support and really get to the ball, but they don't really seem like ball hawker, you know, high point kind of guys yet. So we'll see if whether they can expand their game a little bit to kind of play a little bit of center field. The thing is, Maryland doesn't play any zone at all. I mean, they're pretty much all man-to-man, especially on the outside. So it's going to be tough for the corners to be in position to pick balls off, which in college football, generally, you're just seeing really bad throws in zone situations that lead to picks. So you're kind of counting on those guys to play right and for the safeties to be able to come over the top and help. And so far, hasn't really been there. And boy, we'll know one way or the other this Saturday, I think. Well, they'll, they'll have Corey Coley back, who had a lot of growing pains last year as a freshman, but who they think has good potential. So, you know, you might, with Tarheep still out, somebody among those kind of indistingu- indistinguished, I can't speak, indistinguished underclassmen and true freshmen, somebody's got to step up. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a lot of time, maybe instead of some of those other guys. Yeah. We have about 15 minutes until. Our guest joins us, Spencer Anderson, the star offensive lineman for the Maryland Terrapin football team. Uh, Before that, we definitely want to get into some basketball recruiting. I know that's a really hot topic right now because of how well Maryland's doing. So far in the 2023 class, Jonathan Lamothe, Jimmy Kaiser, Deshaun Harris-Smith, and possibly a few more, Jeff, right? What's going on with Derek Queen? Muhammad Yabate, Papa Conte, et cetera. Uh, so I'll start with this weekend. Uh, Muhammad Diabate is going to take his official to Maryland. You know, I think they've got as good, a, good of a shot as anyone, maybe better in that one, but it's not one of those recruitments like Kaiser or Harris Smith where we knew it was pretty much Maryland barring a shock for, you know, a couple weeks ahead of time or a week at a time. Uh, he's got Virginia Tech, Alabama, Kansas State, and the fifth, the fifth school loses me at the moment, but he's visited one school so far, just a oh, Wake Forest. He visited Wake Forest and now Maryland uh, interviewed him a couple weeks ago. He said there's a chance if he, you know, if he falls in love with the school on the visit, you know, maybe he won't take all five. So we'll see. He's one that they really want. Another top 100 guy, uh, scrappy, really energetic forward, junkyard dog kind of guy that really fits the Kevin Willard prototype 
Uh, Derek Queen, obviously, is the big fish. He visits in a couple weeks. You know, there's still the million-dollar question of whether he uh, reclassifies from 24 to 23. You know, I think there's a good chance that happens. Uh, Maryland's working hard on him. Obviously, you have to kind of consider the NIL factor. Someone is going to offer him a huge amount of money, whether that's 700000 or a million dollars. It's going to be a lot of money. So there might have to be a hometown discount at play, which very well could. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I think he really likes Maryland. He likes the idea of being local. You know, Lamothe obviously was his teammate in high school. He's been working on him really hard. So, you know, that's definitely one to follow really closely. If he, As we've said a million times, if you add Queen and, say, Diabate or Papa Conte was the other one you asked about. He's still planning. He told uh, one of our reporters, 24-7 Sports, a few days ago, and he's planning on visiting three or four schools. So he's kind of interchangeable with the Abate. So if you get Queen and one of those guys, you know, we, we did the, the math last time, I think, you know, that's a top five class most likely. So it's going to be an interesting month. We did the experiment on the class calculator where we uh, simulated, kind of tried to add in players who were similarly rated. And it came out to the second rated class in the country, which would be the best Maryland's ever had. Even fifth probably would be right. Maybe one of uh, Gary's classes. National, yeah. The year after the national title, they had the, it was either second or third. That is okay. I think the only top five class, although the other one right after it was 2002 and 2003. I always get them flipped around in my head. One yeah. of those, one of those was number two or three. The other one might've been like five. Other than that, at least in the modern rankings era, they've never had a top five. Back to black back-to-back classes, second and third in the country, or top five even, they were not a top five team. <laughs> they well, they were both five. five again, we, we talk about this a lot, like the way that you calculate these classes can be a little bit flawed, right? If you, you know, those, both those classes were five-player classes. So, sure, there was a top 40 in Garrison in the one class, you know, and then a couple other top 100 guys. And then there was Mike Jones, who was a top 20, and then Kenny Beckway, which is like top 40, and another bunch of top 100 guys. So, you know, there were not a lot of elite recruits in those classes, just a lot of really good recruits in those classes, which is kind of, yeah, which is kind of what this class would look like. You know, Queen, I think, just despite reclassing, would be considered an elite recruit. Um, and, and maybe Kaiser or um, Harris Smith, depending on your kind of your personal uh, definition. But, you know, if, if Kentucky's getting a two man class of the number, you know, six kid and number nine kid, that's probably a better class than our class. Right. It, it may not be what the rankings Although, say. Once but, again, the age old debate, Maryland's class is probably more valuable in the long term because you're going to get. We, yeah. Right. We talked that. about that yep. last time. And I came up with a suggestion for 24-7 sports to add projected war. And you would have to project the number of years they'd be there and their value for those years. And then that's when you get into a situation where a four-year player who's real good is more valuable to a program than a top five player who's going to be there for one year. Yeah, I mean, we... Yeah, I say we talked about it a bit with uh, the Harris Smith versus El Marco Jackson, right? I mean, 
Harris Smith is not exactly a point guard recruit, but he wants to play point guard. So, like, would you rather have two or three years of him or one year of El Marco Jackson? And I, I think at this point, just about anybody would argue that the two or three years of Harris Smith would make a whole lot more sense for a team that's kind of rebuilding its roster and you got a new coach coming in and you want these guys to be the foundation of the next kind of era of Maryland basketball, not just, you know, a, a kind of rental player for a year to try and win a championship because they're not on that level right now. Hoagie sent me a link after our show and sent me a link for a site that's actually doing that. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm trying to find it right now. So I was going to say there has to be some nerd somewhere. That's... You no, know, I can't find it right now. So I'll ask Hoagie to post it or I'll post it in the thread once Jeff posts the thread for this on the Maryland.247sports.com message board. If you go to that, I'll post it in there and you can see the website that does college war. My dog. I don't know what's going on with my dog. He's like, Are you torturing the dog, Larry? Like, what's. No, He's fine. I just fed him. Like, I don't know what's going on. He just ate. He just there's, went just outside. Some, there's just sadness in the France household. Right I don't know. Now. That's why I felt compelled to let him out when he wanted to go out. Because, like, I don't know if he's, like, in pain or. He's <laughs> fine. He's just, like, walking around and wagging his tail. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> another, right. Another tangent. Sorry. Okay. So, Jeff promised us Dare Queen and either Diabate or Papacante and the yep. number two class in the country next year. Pretty if much. It doesn't happen. Everyone, please blame Jeff. Yep. Please Fair blame enough. please blame Jeff. Downvote him on the threads. Send him hate mail. All that also, stuff. Also, please, please blame Jeff if uh, they can't come up with enough NIL money for Queen. Yeah. Yeah. When you said that, I was like, mm. <laughs> bye 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 bye. You could you could see Larry's Larry's eyes just rolling back. Yeah, I, don't like, think uh, a, I don't think it's a deal breaker, but it's it's part of the equation of which none of us are really, you know, privy to all the details and interactions and offers. And of course, you know, the coaching staffs at all these schools can't can't arrange the deal, so it's a it's a it would be a third party thing as with all the other schools. So. Sounds like a deal breaker to me, Jeff. Well, there. Look, man, there's some – how can I frame this? <laughs> there, now there I'm curious, are, what are you going to say? There are some uh, some money issues on the basketball side of things uh, at Maryland right now, uh, which are kind of playing into this in the way that, like um, – You can't NIL, drop that – like, you can't covertly – No, I'm trying to explain it, Larry. Just give me a second. So, like – you're starting to see the issue internally where you've got this set of boosters, right? And you've got these types who are used to spending money on facilities and things, you know, buildings and pieces of concrete they can slap their, their name on. And now they're being asked to work with these NIL functions. And, you know, you're basically, you know, trying to pay a salary in a lot of ways to, uh, to a kid. And you've got a donor base that's been asked for, millions and millions and gazillions of dollars over the past 10 years for all these capital campaigns, starting with the coal facility and everything else. And I am being told very reliably that the basketball performance center is not only being delayed, but it's being, shall we say downsized. And I don't know whether Jeff has been hearing these rumors too, but this came up today and I just thought that I would pass that along. And I would bet that, 
you've not only got donor fatigue from all these other things going on, but I imagine these same people that we're talking about, you know, setting up this money for the basketball center are now thinking, well, is that really what's going to bring kids here or is it going to be NIL money? Right. Is it, is that the problem anymore? Or is it going to be not being able to pay the kids every year? And I feel like that's a problem we're seeing at Maryland that's probably also going to be addressed in a lot of other schools as to what they look at when they're weighing facilities versus, you know, the day-to-day of just being able to send these kids checks. And you've got the same amount of people are being asked for all of it. So it's not sustainable. That, it's not sustainable. I don't know how that works out, man. <laughs> it's not. I just don't know. The only way it's sustainable yeah. – the only way it's sustainable is if they allow the schools to start doing it and they can make it a part of the budget. They're getting paid all this money for television deals. To, that's the money that has to be used for it. Paying NIL is not sustainable. One time people can do it. Maybe they're not going to do this in perpetuity. They're just not. And some it's schools, just, they'll, get, they'll get enough in perpetuity where, where they could do it. I've said it a million times what Paul just said, though, not in Maryland. It's the same relatively small group of donors that you're handing, passing the hat to for time and time again for the football facility, for uh, they raised money for the to, to uh, pay for the search firm for the basketball search last year. That was donor funded, which is kind of amazing, you know, that that was required to. That's school. incredible. That's incredible to me. And just kind of was it $75,000? Oh, no. I'm sure it was probably three, four, five hundred grand, I would guess. Even that. Yeah. You would yeah. think the, uh, you know, a budget of $100 million, you could find that on the couch cushions. It's not well, like it's not important. That they, all the money they owe the Big Ten just keeps chipping away at their, uh, at their disbursements every year you know it's being taken out of it all that all the money that they got originally so i think that's a big part of it but uh it wouldn't surprise me if the facility was downsized i mean 40 million dollars was a really big budget obviously things cost more in in the area than they do at nebraska or whatever but some of these other schools have really nice basketball practice facilities for like 18 million dollars or something so uh yeah the nil to me Clearly, is more important for years. It was the indoor facility that was hurting them, which Turgeon complained a lot about, and he had a legitimate beef because I think Maryland's the only Big Ten school without one. Amazingly, uh, maybe there's another one, but uh, you know they're one of very few. I schools. think there's one. I, there's it's like Northwestern or somebody that doesn't matter that yeah. that doesn't the, have the one. Schools but. of their stature, they always have indoor facility. But now with NIL, that you know, players win games and players want money, so. It's going to be really interesting. And then in football, we still haven't seen, you know, I've heard about it for months. I have a feel for what they're going to do, but it's been delayed uh, for quite some time. So we'll see. And that's probably reflected in this recruiting class. I mean, mean, it it is definitely his lowest star class ever as of right now. You know, I'm sure he'll beef it up a little bit. with the, the, the surprise flips on on signing day that aren't pre-planned at all. I hope so, man. <laughs> I hope so, because there is nothing worse as a publisher of a team site than nothing happening on signing day. Yeah. The years when you had a blah class of a bunch of fine young men 
<laughs> were thrilled because they could go to Maryland instead of Hofstra and, you know, Fairleigh Dickinson or whatever their other offers were. And then you knew there was no, all these other, you watch all these other sites, total just craziness, a hundred million, a million page views in one day and all this stuff. And literally you would not have even known it was signing day on the site. Cause it, yeah. was, just, it was just like any other day. Every every NILs in by or NLIs in by 11 a.m. and everybody goes to lunch and calls it a day, right? Yeah, I'm getting these emails like, "Hey, here's some things you should do. Make sure to." I'm like, "No, <laughs> like, <laughs> can't squeeze wine from a rock. You know, it's not. It's just not there. And the interest wasn't there. Anyways, the interest is there with locks, but um, you know, it's it's definitely going to need need a little bit of star power." Spencer Anderson is going to be joining us in a minute. So until that happens, I'm going to jump to Paul's favorite segment of the show. Non-Res Report from Wheels. Hey, everyone. This is Wheels with your Inside Maryland Sports Non-Rev Report. Let's start on the soccer pitch where the eighth-ranked men's team has improved to 3-1-1 on the year and are riding a two-game winning streak that included a 6-1 thumping of Virginia at Audi Field. Terps open Big Ten play at Michigan this Friday in Ann Arbor. Women's soccer through seven games has earned a win, a loss, and five ties. That's five right. Ties. You heard that. Five ties. Wow. They, too, head out to Michigan this Friday to begin Big Ten play. Third-ranked women's field hockey team has started the season on a six-game winning streak that includes three wins over ranked teams. They head out to Columbus at the end of this week to open Big Ten play against Ohio State. All right, Wheels, I'm stopping you mid midstream because guess who's joined us in the chat? Sorry, Wheels. <laughs> no one cares, right, Paul? That's what he gets for saying the pitch. Yeah. yeah, nobody cares. They're fine. They're fine with it. There he is, Spencer Anderson. Oh, we lost him. Connecting the audio. There he is. Spencer, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing good. There he is. There's the video. Okay. There's the big man. We got with us 6'5", 320-pound offensive lineman, redshirt senior out of Bowie, Maryland, Spencer Anderson, one of the stars of the Maryland football team. Last year, we, we, you were honorable mention all Big Ten last year, correct? Correct. And this year, it will not be honorable mention. It'll just be all, no. big, it'll all, be all big Ten, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Two games into the season, 2-0. How do you feel about things so far? Uh, it's good. I mean, it's always good to be undefeated, whether, you know, we didn't live up to our standard or not. It's always good to get two wins on the belt. And uh, I feel like we're in the right space as a team going into this Saturday against SMU and uh, try to make it three and now. Spencer, what's it like being on an offensive line on a team with so much talent at the skill positions, knowing if you make your block, I mean, the running backs are breaking off long ones, obviously – You've got all these receivers and Talia. How, how is that? Have you ever experienced a you know a dynamic like that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, as an old lineman, you kind of you kind of assume that you know the team's success is based upon you. But I mean, when we give Talia the time and we open up the holes for the backs, I mean, a five-yard run. Who? What I'm thinking in my head turns into you know, a 60-yard RPO, and I'm like, oh, the ball just flew over my head. I had no clue because, I mean, we just blocking run plays. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm going to chase them down and going to celebrate in the end zone. So, I mean, it's special having those guys out there. I mean, 
it doesn't matter who you put out there. I mean, we even had uh, Octavian score for us last week. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter who you have out there. They're all special. Hey, Spencer, you've had the experience of playing all, pretty much every offensive line position for Maryland over the past you know, four or five years. So, like, what's it, what's it like for you? What do you, what do you enjoy the most uh, in terms of which position? And where do you feel is your best place right now when you look towards a pro career? Um, well, I say first, I think – We I won't mean, tell the coaches if you ain't happy. Yeah. Uh, gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just – as FYI. No, I mean, both of them had the ups and downs. I mean, with tackle, you kind of have more freedom, and I feel like you're more on an island. You have more of a responsibility to, you know, protect that edge. And yeah, that's usually when you face the best athletes. Um, but I feel like, you know, passing, pass blocking, I, I really enjoy pass blocking on the outside because, I mean, it's kind of, you know, uh, aggressive as you dare. You know, it's kind of make it what you want. But at guard, um, I feel like it's more – I feel like it's easier because, you know, you have help always. You're always going to have, like, some kind of help. Um, but there are times when you're alone. But, um, I mean, the reason why I made the switch is because, I mean, I sat down with Coach Braz and um, Coach Locks, and we all agreed. I mean, a lot of scouts see me as an interior player. But there's some teams that like me as a tackle, right tackle. But, uh, you know, whatever I can do to help the team win, I mean, I don't really care. At this point, you know, people ask me, what do you play? I tell them I play football. So, yeah. Spencer, real quick before I get into the main part of my question, do you have one more year possible because of the COVID year? Yeah, year? I do. Uh-huh. you do. So I thought, so you may be leaving after this year then, and maybe not. We hope not, actually, if we're, we want we're the best for you. Selfish. Right. We want the best <laughs> for you, but also how cool would it be to have you back? Um, mm. But as, as you're leaving the program, and you're reflecting on your time when it's done because you're getting close to that time. What do you think it means to be a Maryland Terrapin? And what do you think your legacy is going to be as you're heading out the door? Um, I mean, it's been great, you know, coming out of high school, you know, obviously a lot of guys, we could have went anywhere, but chose to stay home and kind of put on. And I'm, you know, at the beginning, we kind of weren't seeing the same success we are now, but um, you know, seeing that recent success, we're kind of reaping the benefits of our decision of trying of deciding to stay at home and, you know, put on for everybody else, put on for the home state. Because, I mean, a lot of the times you see recruits from this area go to, you know, the Ohio States or the Penn States, which I know Penn State is really popular for this area because it's not too far, but it's not too close either. So I know that's really popular, but um, you have guys that can stay in state. It's always good, um, you know. <laughs> It's just good all around, just putting on for the uh, putting on for the state. I mean, I feel like my legacy here has has already been created, and uh, you know, hopefully, I can build upon it. This next ten games, and most likely eleven, you know, because we're obviously promising ourselves a bowl. So there you go, Mister. How do you feel about the performances so far in the first two games, just as a team in general? Um. I feel like we've been good. I mean, I feel like week one, you know, we kind of week one jitters kind of going, going around and, you know, just getting a feel for the game, but um, still came out victorious. But I feel like last week, I mean, we were hitting on all cylinders offensively. Um, I think Logs mentioned a lot, you know, we got some stuff to clean up on the defensive side of the ball. But um, this week, I feel like we need to put together a complete game because I know SMU is, I mean, they're not, you know, Buffalo or Charlotte, you know, they're, we, we respect them as they are, and, you know, they have a good offense, and I know their defense is solid, so we got to treat them as, as such. 
Hey, Spencer, I was going to ask when you're looking at film this week, what have you seen about SMU that's got you, you know, kind of focused in on? Like, what are you looking for? What do you feel like you guys need to focus on as an offensive line? Um, they like to blitz a lot. So I feel like, uh, well, I wouldn't say they like to blitz a lot, but they, they, they blitz a good amount and we have to be ready for um, things here and there. But, I mean, honestly, it's just us doing our job. I mean, O-line is really simplified. I mean, a lot of people want to look at it like it's complicated, which it is. I mean, we're far uh, – we're, we're facing far far more superior athletes than we are um, in some cases. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really simple at the end of the day. So as long as we cover people up and do our job, I mean, as, we, as we've seen in the last two games, those backs can take it to the house even if we don't have everybody covered up or, you know, play breaks down, receivers taking off. So. Spencer, a lot of people talk about the charisma of Mike Loxley, how good a recruiter he is, how great it is to play for him. Coming from the inside, what is that like being on Mike Loxley's team and playing for him as your head coach? Yeah, I mean, he's good. I mean, obviously, I had, honestly, I had no clue about him when I uh, came here in 2018. And then spring of 2019, everybody's like, you know, the godfather of the DMV. I'm like, who is this guy? You know, I've never heard of him. I'm like, you know, everybody's like Michael Loxley, Michael Loxley, Alabama uh, offensive coordinator. He accepted the job in Maryland. And I'm like, I'm like, like, everybody's, you know, preaching about him. I see all these articles about him. I'm like, who is he? But now I kind of see the guy he is. I mean, I've taken guys on official visits and I see kind of the recruiter he is. I mean, he's really, uh, he, he has he has a healthy balance of like being a coach and, you know, being, being sort of that, uh, sort of that friend, you know, it's sort of like parenting, you know, he treats us like our, like his sons. I mean, you look at it sort of like a two-way relationship. It's kind of, you know, he'll coach you, but at the end of the day, he'll still love you like a son. And it's kind of, he's also can be that like kind of friend figure for you, you know, just kind of messing around with you and stuff. And he does that a lot to the recruits. And I think that's what's gotten us a lot of recruits is, you know, his charisma and his, uh, his character. And Spencer, with t- in terms of Talia, I know as good as he's been, you know, at times, even Lox has said when he has his down moments, he kind of, you know, gets his head down a little bit, things like that. He said it's changed a little bit this year. Are you noticing any more difference with him in the huddle just in terms of, you know, his leadership and how vocal and his attitude and things like that? Yeah, I mean, he's he's uh, obviously we we can't we can only go as far as he takes us. And I mean, he's taken good command of the of the offensive room as a whole. And um, I know. I mean, he has the keys to the castle, so whatever he says, I mean, we're kind of just like, okay, you know, mid-play, he'll check a play, and we're just, we'll look at him like, all right. Or he'll ask us, you know, hey, what if I check to this or that? Well, how do y'all feel? We're like, we're running whatever you call. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he has the keys to the castle. So, I mean, he's – I mean, he's, I feel like he's he's taking a step last year or this year being a leader because, um, I mean, sometimes last year he would kind of get down on himself and kind of just, uh, you know, just be kind of like a uh, – you know, he would just kind of be around, just be our quarterback sort of. But now I feel like he's making that jump of being our leader, you know, even good or bad, he's, you know, correcting stuff. So, Hey, Spencer, can I ask you last year about that bowl victory? Because as a fan, and I'm old as dirt, so I've been watching this football team for a long time, and I felt uh, that was probably as good as I felt after a Maryland football game in a long time because it felt like, A, for all you guys who've been hustling for, you know, four or five years behind the scenes, not being able to get to a bowl with the coaching changes, with all the, all the off the field stuff. Like 
it seemed like you guys really kind of crossed the barrier there, like crossed the Rubicon for Coach Locks to getting that first bowl win. What did that feel like for all you guys in the locker room and afterwards? Did you feel like that really took a next step and that, you know, kind of you were ready to get, kind of move on from there? Yeah, I mean, it kind of – after the game, you know, everybody's kind of you know, like, you know, what are you going to do now? Like, you know, you see the potential we have and, you know, 7-6 to six is good, but it's also, you know, we all feel like we were kind of celebrating mediocrity because, I mean, at the end of the day, 6-6 six and six is still 500. But, you know, it was good to get that experience. And, you know, we went to the pinstripe bowl, which a lot of people are like, you know, that's the, you know, the, the Gatorade bottle bowl, you know, but it's kind of <laughs> like – <laughs> we still had that experience, something that we haven't had in a while. And, you know, we got a little taste of that. And we're like, well, we can make something bigger of this. So I think that was a big part of to everybody coming back and, um, you know, trying to get to an even bigger one this year. Spencer. Oh, hey, can I ask one more question? Sorry. I just yeah, want to no get problem. this in. Cause I, um, can I ask what, what it's like for you guys to see Dante come back uh, from that injury and like, you know, not just as a locker room presence, but on the field. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. When, uh, when when he announced he was coming back, I was just thinking in my head, like, is he going to be healthy enough to come back? Or, like, is he he's going to be ready in time? And all throughout camp, I kind of still had that same thought until, like, like three three or two weeks before camp, I mean, before the uh, first game of the season, I'm like, he hit, like, 22 miles an hour on, like, our uh, catapult GPS system. I was like, oh, he's never back. mind. I, I, guess, I guess he is back. He's back, yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. a cyborg. Yeah. You know, yeah, so I was like uh, – Obviously, it was special when he. I mean, he had told me before he had put it out that he was coming back. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was good to have him back, and it still is good to have him back because you know he's. I feel like he's the leader of that wide receiver room, and you know, granted he hasn't gotten all the attention in, his, in these first two games, but you know he still has an impact on the field. And you only hit twenty one miles an hour on the catapult, right? Yeah, it was it was uh, twenty one point nine, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Almost That's fair enough. You can yeah. play wide receiver, Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> Spencer, when we have people on the show, we do a game called fill in the blank. I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions. You say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. The NFL team you'd most like to play for is. Whoever's paying Cowboys. <laughs> okay. I'm a Cowboys fan. You just said you celebrated seven and six last year, but the record final record you're going to be celebrating this year will be. Undefeated. There we go. There you go. The most underrated player on Maryland's football team is? Mm, uh, can't think. Uh, Jahari Branch. Okay. When you're done with your football playing career, whenever that is, your next career after that will be? Uh, sports broadcaster. Everyone knows you're going to beat Penn State this year. They just don't know by how much. So your prediction for the margin of victory will be? A lot to a little. (laughs) (laughs) Good enough. Good enough. We'll take the range. Even by one is enough. We'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. And, Spencer, one more thing we ask of everybody who comes on the show. Could you do us a favor and say, this is Spencer Anderson, and you're listening to IMS Radio. This is Spencer Anderson, and you listen to IMS Radio. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks, Spencer. Good luck this week, man. Yep, Good luck, yeah, and the rest of the season. Good luck with your NFL career. But come back one more year. You have another. You have one more because of COVID. We want you back. <laughs> we want you back. Yeah. Hey, imagine the running backs next year. Those four guys, when they get one more year yeah. older, those guys yeah. you're going to for? 
You and tell Talia to come back with you. You guys come back. <laughs> All right, Larry, let him go. All right, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. All right, man. All right, Thank man. you, Thanks, Spencer. Man. See yeah, ya. I appreciate it. Yes. Right. Bye. Right. Take care. <laughs> and for everybody listening, once again, he is at Spence underscore on Twitter. That is spelled S-P-E-N-T-S underscore Spence underscore on Twitter. That was pretty that good. Was fun. Yeah, that's fun. I, I I I buy the sports broadcasting. He's got a he's got a good uh, he's got a good rap. I yeah, yeah. I like the a lot to a little. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll t- I'll take I'll take the the buy one is fine. Yeah, too, the but, buy uh, one is yeah. fine too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him, him yeah. up with some uh, bulletin board material though with that one. Yeah, but, uh, no, yeah. You know, none of them are listening to this podcast. So it's fine. Maybe, maybe maybe don't throw that one on your tweet like tomorrow. Like, <laughs> yeah. Spencer Anderson talks about how badly Maryland's going to be Penn State this year. <laughs> 19 Penn State blogs. And then everybody yeah. gets mad at me for asking them the question. Because, right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Maybe I shouldn't I'm, have asked that one, right? I'm, I'm guessing that uh, that old coach James Franklin won't need, bro- won't need bulletin board material. Yeah, I mean, come on. It was clearly said in jest. No one could watch that and actually believe that. We well, were Larry, talking done. junk. Come on. It's dead serious. It's blood I, magic. I feel bad for my boy Wheels. I cut him off. You had to cut him off, right? Spencer came yeah, on. Yeah, you had to cut him off. Once I you think... sit on the pitch. Once you get say, if you stay on the pitch, <laughs> no, you Yeah. I mean, it's 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 when everybody um, was going to the bathroom nothing worse anyway. Than <laughs> the, only no. worse, the only thing worse than soccer lingo is – Soccer teams that have played seven games and have five ties, and that's why I don't want. That's to what it was. That was the most remarkable thing in his report. That's is that pretty the women incredible. Yeah. Five ties in seven games. Yeah, they're probably uh, four of them were probably one-one. I mean, I, I, look, <laughs> I, I zero, a, zero. Yeah, yeah I am a soccer guy, but like five draws is is that's a little. Yeah, that's rough. Little sus. It's it a is sus. People make fun of the ties, but I'll say this: it adds a wrinkle to particularly end of season standings or group play in tournaments because that extra type of result really changes dynamics and strategies. And I think it's kind of cool as a differentiator from other sports. I understand ties can be boring in some way, but it is kind of neat the way it plays into the strategies in those certain situations. I'll just say that. Okay. We will end the show on true or false. I will make a statement about Maryland athletics and you guys will have to say true or false and expound upon it. We will start with Jeff. Maryland basketball is going to outperform all of the preseason prognostications. Um, yeah, I think they're going to be, uh, they're going to be right <laughs> around that number. So false then. Uh, they're not yeah. going. The highest I've seen them is 10 blue ribbon which I wrote about yesterday. Um, yeah, I'll say, yeah, I think they could, they could finish eight or ninth, but if they do, it's not going to be by much. The personnel is just not there to do to me, probably personnel is not there to like finish fourth, you know, have one of those kind of seasons. Talk about bulletin board material. Well, it's, it's the, it's the big 10 anyway, that, you know, there's going to be like a two game difference between 11th and fifth. Right. So I, I'm with Jeff. I think, I think they'll, they'll do a little bit better than that. 10th mm. well he 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 begrudgingly 
said that, Paul. He said it was going to be about that. All right. He did. He did not. Well, I mean, I, I again, I think they're like a bubbly. You know, if if they get yeah. to the tournament, that's a that's a wildly successful season for me. You know, because I mean, the roster is what it is. I mean, it's right. not getting any better, right? Okay, Paul. Maryland football has looked solid but unspectacular against the first two opponents this year, but it's only because they have intentionally used a watered-down game plan and used many players in an effort to look out for the long-term prospects of the season and not just impress in the first two games. I mean, I think that's partially true, but I would say false by the rules of the game because I think the linebackers have struggled a little bit. I think the corner, the secondary has struggled a little bit. Um, the offense has looked a little out of sync against uh, against Buffalo. I think there's just been some normal first couple game issues that you normally get worked out. Um, like I said, I'm not super worried yet. I I might be if they if they lay an egg on Saturday. So okay, Jeff, Derek Queen will commit to play basketball at the University of Maryland. I hate you, Larry. <laughs> you are so good at this that I think you're going to have to be into like some sort of game or something. Uh, I mean, if you put a gun to my head and I had to say yes or no, this is not me saying he's coming, but I think that there's a good chance they're going to get it. If you put a gun to my head, I die if I'm wrong, I'll say yes. I'll put it that way. True. Okay, Derek Queen. So 51-49 is what you're saying. So let's just recap there for a second. I said to Jeff, Derek Queen will commit to play basketball at the University of Maryland. His response was true. Yes. Okay. Yep. Headline on Inside Maryland Sports. Let's go. All right, Paul. Print the shirts. Talia Tungavailoa is the most talented quarterback at Maryland since the 80s. True. Think about that. True. I don't, I, competition, right? Sean I, Hill I and Scott love, McBrien. I love, I love, I love both of them. They ran wonderful offenses with good run games, but they are not even in the same ballpark as quarterback as Talia. Um, I think the only issue with Talia is his consistency. And again, if you look at McBrien or Hill, they had bad games against really good teams. Uh, and so his Talia. So you know, I don't. I, I think he's clearly the best quarterback we've had since at least. You're probably talking O'Donnell, or Boomer, Boomer, and Gelbaugh, Frank Reich. Guy, yeah, Reich, and then okay. that that era. I I could not even. Sean Hill is the closest one, I think. Scott McBrien, maybe. Sean then, Hill had one very excellent year. And he played one, in the NFL for ten years, or he, he did. He backed up in the NFL. He held a he, he held a he job in the NFL. Some starting years. He made a fortune holding clipboards, and God bless him for it. Is Talia um, guaranteed to do that? But but this quarterback. If, Talia, yeah. better, but Talia doesn't have the size for the NFL that Sean Hill had. Right, right. That's if, true. if if Talia was was six two, we'd be having a very different conversation about his NFL future. But as a college right. quarterback, I would take Talia every single time without even. Yeah. Thinking, Good point. Also, you've got Milanovic, but his his was career was more the product of the system that was run than his. He, his. he was he was a, a very very quality college quarterback, but I but, still yeah, think he's right. in the same room. Okay, yeah. Jeff, there will be enough NIL money at Maryland for them to compete long term 
for recruits in both basketball and football? I'm going to say yes, simply because if you look right now, they don't, they're not the biggest NIL production and they've gotten two great recruits already on the basketball side. Football, I mean, it's tough. You're lumping them both in together, you know? So is the uh, answer different for? I think football will be too. Once they get this thing off the ground, they're going to be, it's, it's going to be well-funded and have a different twist to it than, than a lot of the others, but it's been delayed for a long time. Um, so long story short, yeah, I think they will. It's never going to be a Miami kind of thing where they're just buying ridiculous recruiting classes, but I think they'll be able to hang. Okay. Paul, instead of thinking about future expansion of Maryland stadium, they should instead actually renovate the seating by installing nicer individual seats, which would actually reduce capacity. False. They should blow it up and then make a giant like tram that takes the football team to the new stadium at Paint Branch Golf Course, which holds like 40,000 people, but is like beautifully done. Okay. There's my, there's my, there's my dream. You don't like my idea? Better I, I like your idea. I like your idea better than like, let's put an extra stand in that we can't fill, you yeah. know, but I don't. You know, I don't think that's any. I don't think that's any closer to happening than my than my uh, my new stadium at uh, Paint Branches. No, nicer seats. I mean, the seats are awful. The seats are bad, man. If you had my nicer hurts. seats, yeah, nicer seats would improve the game day experience quite a bit. Oh, well, and the, you know, like I said, they always intended to make that that uh, middle level basically what they consider the mezzanine seats now, uh, the two hundred level, and they never went along with it because there's just no demand for that type of thing. Right. And you know, what I, what I'm curious about is if they go on another Ralph like run, could they really get a bunch of people back filling that stadium up? And I just don't think so. It just doesn't feel like, I think the, you know, the, the attendance downturns you've seen from uh, the great recession and now the COVID stuff, like, I just don't know that on top of how good the TV products gotten, I just don't know you're going to have like this long-term success of really big packed stadiums, except in places where it's just what they do. And like, that's all, that's all there is to do. Like in state college, Pennsylvania, where there's nothing for hundreds of miles or Columbus, Ohio, where they don't have any football pro within hundreds of miles or Nebraska where they're complete garbage and will continue to be garbage and they will still show up and travel and do all that stuff. Cause that's yeah. just what they do in, in more cosmopolitan places, shall we say, I think it's just going to be harder, even harder than it already was. Is what I would say. Close, to even get close, even if you can't fill it up just because of the cultural and technology differences between now and 2000, be Penn state. That's it. Be Penn state regularly. And people will start to come in, splash in a well, little window. Michigan here and there, Ohio State once in a blue moon, Michigan State. That's it. Yeah, I mean, we've, it's, I'm a total broken ro- broken record, but that's it. And they haven't, and not only have they not been doing it, the blowouts just kill. I mean, it doesn't look yeah. like it's going to be a very good crowd even for SMU this weekend. And Locks, you know, I, f- I feel for him. He's begging, literally begging people to come to the games. But you got to beat, beat Penn State, beat some of those other teams. Well, and last they can't, year – Go ahead, Paul. 
No, I was just going to say, and, and we've had this thing where like, it seems like they start in September great every year. And as soon as they start playing those better teams, they get blown out once or twice and the buzz is gone. Like it's just absolutely wiped out. Even if you do have a nice, you know, win or you end up getting to, to six or seven wins at the end of the season. So like, it's not only beating a Penn state, it's not getting your ass handed to you at home by 60. Yeah. You know, that Iowa game last year just murdered the whole season. That's like, exactly you feel good was... about it afterwards, right? But at the time, I mean, it's it's early October. It's a Friday night game on national TV. Everybody is hyped up. Iowa's good, but not that good. And then they just destroy you. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. Because when people like me start thinking, oh, boy. Do I really want to get up and go to this noon game against whoever next Saturday when the weather starts getting cold and shitty? I don't know. Because yeah. if I'm having those feelings, I guarantee you people that are not crazy are also having those feelings and not even or not even like entertaining the thought of going to that game. Yeah. I was going to bring so. – that's exactly what I was going to say. The Iowa game was nearly sold out last year. Yeah. So it can happen where yep. enough buzz builds up in this area – there's enough people. There's enough alumni. You've got two major cities, two top 25 cities in the country within half an hour. It can happen. They just yeah, and if, have if, to... if you lose that game by a touchdown, right. it's fine. Yes. I mean, you'd rather win it, but right. it's fine. You lose it by like six touchdowns, yeah. people are done with you. It was, that, it was that in the Penn State game the year before that just killed yeah. a lot of the fans. It took a lot of people out. Because those, okay. those were the two big, highly anticipated. Penn State was a night game also, right? Yep, sure was. Lights, everybody's fired up, and then, you know. Yeah. Well, it's making me sad. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Larry. We're feeling pretty good there. And Yeah. All right. Well, well last thing real quick. I've, I'm still keeping tabs, tabs of the projections. ESPN projects Maryland at 7.08 wins this year now. There you go. Massey 6.61 and team rankings at 6.03. Ranking. So a little better. Each of them are better than they had been. Not much better, but a little bit. Got to win Saturday or those things tank. Yes. And SMU is not bad. SMU is good. And in many, many rating systems, they're ranked higher than Maryland. Yeah. So, all right. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks to Spencer Anderson for joining us. Awesome guy. Very talented. He's got a great shot to go to the NFL. So we're rooting for him to do that. We want him to come back next year, but rather than go to the NFL and get a job, that would be great too. So thank you guys. And I don't know, we're probably going to be trying to do every week if possible now in the season. If they beat SMU, there's going to be a momentum and excitement. So you know. And if they lose, we might need to bury our heads for a little while, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll definitely let you guys know. Thank you guys for joining us in the chat room. Please give us a follow on YouTube if you can. Subscribe. Subscribe, all of that stuff. Feed Jeff's children. This is IMS Radio.